Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, a brilliant true crime podcast hosted by two zany sisters, all while baking up delicious treats in their kitchen. Here are your podcast hosts, Karen Devaney and Ann Varner. Another episode of our slaying in the kitchen, yes. and we have another victim mm, slayer. <laughs> <laughs> and this yes. is Debbie Kuhn from the Right Shoe Podcast, and we're so excited to have you on with us, Debbie. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I really am. We just really appreciate that you are brave enough to come and try and keep up with Anne in the kitchen. She's a real wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I put flour on my head for her. Oh, 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 for Karen. Oh, for Karen. Yes. You yeah, said put yeah. flour in your head. Yeah, that's what you do. It makes you look like a real good baker. When yeah, you I'm a like, baker. Oh, gosh, I've been okay. baking. I've been saving all day. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so sugar. Yes. What are you going to bake? All right, we are going to make bananas foster muffins. Well, first, mm. Debbie. Tell okay. us about yourself. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a true crime podcast. I know there's a, a plethora of true crime out there, but it's the right shoe is about the strange and unusual, especially in reference to a death. And it started because a guy that had passed away in Philadelphia, his name was Matthew Larson. He was like becoming his way to being a big YouTuber. And he passed away. Now, they weren't sure how he passed away at first. It was a complete accident. He actually had climbed in, up on this big trailer. Hit the, it was like a, it was back in the woods and he fell off of it and he, he died. He, you know, he fell, oh. but he lost his right shoe. Mm. And they could never find it. And it was something that just bugged the investigators at the time. They were like, it just bugged us that we could never find his right shoe. And I was like, wow, that would be such a great name for a podcast. I mean, meanwhile, I felt so bad for this kid, but that's how it all came together. Yeah, and like that was my was first good. episode. Yeah, it's been a, it's been like a year and a half, I think. It okay. started during COVID, you know, I mean, and I had like a lot of time. So now it's that COVID, now that I'm back to work and everything, it's, you know, it, it gets hard getting together all the episode, yeah. you know, researching and all that. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people know exactly how much goes into doing a podcast with all of the research that you have to do an investigation into the stories that you need to uncover and make sure you get everything right. Yeah, it's absolutely that is the hardest part, because sometimes there's, you know, you never know, like you have to make sure the information's correct. Like you said, there could be misinformation. That's one of the hardest parts, I think. Yeah, I agree. The details. Yeah, getting the details right, and um, sometimes you find things conflicting stories, and so you kind of have to dig deep until you find the same story more than once to verify that that really is the story. Because sometimes, you know, if you watch a show about it, they change some facts a lot of times on the show, 
when you go to read the documents, you're kind of surprised that that's not what they said. So you really have to, you can't base it just on one source we use. I have a list of sources that I used on the murder case that we're talking about today. I have at least 15 different sources that I read just to write this, just to write two pages of bullets. And this case is because I had never, I don't think I ever heard of this case before you guys suggested it. And I am just, um, it is just terrifying, first of all, but it's, um, yeah, I could imagine, you know, that there could be how it could get convoluted because, yeah, uh, yeah, Yeah, because all the happy to have you. How can people find you? What's your social media and your, however people contact you? Um, I do have a website, the right podcast.com. And I try to keep up on as much as possible. I might be two episodes behind, but all the episodes of my podcast are always immediately uploaded to the right to podcast.com, um, or any podcasting network like Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and it also, if they want to get in touch with me, they can uh, email me debbieq at the right shoe.com or, or the right podcast.com. I'm sorry. But the easiest way is my Instagram because I'm on Instagram. I think that's the biggest social media that I use. And it's the right shoe podcast underscore underscore. And that's out. But if they write the right shoe and it usually comes up in right. Instagram. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, Shuggle, it's back to you. What are you making? What are you going to help Debbie slay today? Debbie and I are going to make bananas foster muffins. I'm so excited. Yeah, so we're going to start out out making a streusel topping. That's step one. Okay. Okay? Okay. So you're going to want your mixer and your mix one mixing bowl. You're going to use a couple of different mixing bowls in this recipe. Okay. So I'll get a mixing bowl and I do have my mixer available. Okay. I have, now I have bananas in the one mixing bowl. What's that? That's for the next, for the next. Okay. So I have my mixing bowl here. Okay. And in your mixing bowl, you're going to put one third of a cup of flour. One third of a cup of flour. Okay. Now I did take everything out. So that's good. Oh, sorry about that. Okay. All right. So that's in the bowl. A quarter cup of brown sugar. If you have dark, they call for dark, but I, I don't usually. I just use whatever I have. Uh, that I measured out actually beforehand. Great. <laughs> so I got that. Then you're going to put in a half a teaspoon of ground cinnamon. Oh, here we go. Okay. And four tablespoons of butter. And with that butter, you're going to want to kind of cut it into little pieces to go in. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Should I like chop it a little? Like just put it into, into like little cubes. Not they don't have okay. teeny tiny. Okay, let me get my. I thought I put out butter. I I remember I put it right there. I did take it out. Yes, I I was a little prepared. All right, so little pieces and then just put it into the bowl. Yeah, and you'll just kind of toss that around a little bit just to get the butter coated. Oh, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Okay, bring the leaves back and then just get it coated, you said, just like yeah. mix it. Yeah. Okay. And then once you get it coated, we're going to get that mixer going. Okay. 
Now, when you start your mixer, Debbie, start it on the lowest setting and gradually go up. Don't be like me and just like hit high and then it goes everywhere. I yes. didn't see that. I'm glad you told me that or else it would have been, you would have seen a poof of cinnamon and brown sugar. <laughs> you have more than just flour in your hair. You have butter and all sorts of stuff in there. <laughs> so the idea is that your, your mixture, once you start mixing on medium speed, it's going to turn into look kind of like cornmeal. Oh, okay. Okay. So whenever you're ready, you can start that mixer. Here we go. Start your mixer. How's it look? Stop it when it's like the consistency of yeah, you know, yeah. Your your butter should be in little pieces, nothing bigger than the size of a pea. Okay, all right. It's almost done. Let me just get one more good mix in here. We'll be good to go. I mean, it, it's looking good. I mean, uh, as long as it, I mean, there's little pieces in there, but it's. it's all right. not, in that bowl, you're going to add in your chopped pecans. Now, this is this was already measured out. It came as is. Isn't Great. that nice? Yes, I love. I was like, oh my god, it's exactly um, one and a half cups. And then you'll just kind of toss toss the mixture around, put the pecans. Oh, great! Uh, it looks so yummy. It smells good already in here. So that's going to be our streusel topping for our muffin. Yummy! Oh. It it looks sweet. Here's what it looks like. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It looks good. Oh, good, good. Awesome. All right. So now you're going to need another mixing bowl. And then you need a smaller bowl that you can put your flour and baking soda and stuff in. Okay. So I need uh, two mixing bowls, one large, one small? Yes. Okay. All right. So in your smaller bowl, you're going to do your flour. How much flour again? Two cups. Okay. And that's in the smaller bowl? Yes. Two. Okay. And then you're going to do a teaspoon of baking soda. Okay. All right. Teaspoon of baking soda. Yes. I made it sure it was soda, not powder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then a half okay. teaspoon of baking powder. Okay. That's it. All right. So we're going to take a little whisk or fork or something and mix that together. Quick little stir around the mix. So, Debbie, I want to show you what Ann has pre measured her stuff in. I don't know if you know what these are, but they're antique salt mills that were from our great grandmother, our grandmother. We've yeah. got all sorts of, they're old fashioned. It's this very old fashioned thing, but they're crystal. <laughs> and it's oh my. to get salt and individual salt mills at their table and little teeny spoons to salt their food. They didn't have shakers a long time ago. So these are crystal and she's <laughs> even got one that's gorgeous. It's, it's footed. It's got the feet on it. But this oh is what she has God. used to measure out all of her That is amazing. That is definitely not what I use to measure. Mine's a spoon. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I never use them for anything. They sit in a cabinet and I'm tired of it. So I thought, well, when we do these recipes and I do pre-measuring, I'm going to use these. I thought it was just and so they, brilliant. Now I'm going to break <laughs> all mine out. That is, and it was from your grandmother? 
great-grandmother. We've got great-grandmother, probably our great-aunt. I mean, we've just kind of collected them over the years from different relatives that have, you know, passed things down or whatever. So, and then I, sometimes when I see them in like um, consignment shops, sometimes down here, you'll see them and I'll buy them for a couple dollars. I mean, sometimes you can find them at a yard sale and you're like, ah, what are you doing? Yeah, why are you? Oh my God, that's so cool. I just thought that was brilliant. When I walked in and saw that she had done that, I just thought, well, that's so, that's such a great idea. And we never use them. So now we have a reason. That's right. Oh, and they're, and they're so like, they're so like she, she and fancy. Like, to, yeah, I, you know, like, I know it's that it's, way, but that, that, they are fancy. We, we are, are not. not. <laughs> <laughs> we are not. But um, if you, if you had a chance to read the book we've never written, you would find that we're very good at it coming across as she-she. There, yes, we come across. it all our lives. We were trained to come across like we had money and culture. and We had neither. We had none. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now in your, in your bigger mixing bowl, you're going to put your oil in. Oh, it's a half a cup of oil? Yeah. I, I think I should put a little more in. All good. And then you're going to add one egg. Now, Debbie, when you crack that egg, if you're not good at cracking eggs, which I'm not, I always get like a little kind of a ramekin or a dish or even a coffee mug. And I crack that egg in there because that way, if a piece of shell gets in, you're not trying to dig through your flour trying to get an eggshell out. Oh, yeah. That's but if you're a, a professional idea. egg cracker, you crack away <laughs> <laughs> no, I am not a professional egg cracker in any means. Yeah, and that way, if like in case the egg is bad, then you haven't cracked it into your. I mean, we're risk takers here, but I just like for <laughs> other people to know that we're not risk takers in the kitchen. But that's a good way, you know, to just avoid some egg mishaps. Yes. <laughs> all right. So turn your mixer on. Slowly. Yeah. No egg all over the place. <laughs> okay. I'll move my little bowl of cinnamon and then once you get your mixer going you're going to add your second egg listen if you need any more kitchen tips from us mm. feel free to ask your alexa to play oh that's right yeah yeah we have um they're called skills so you add the skill onto your alexa app and it's called how to play in the kitchen and then every day you ask for a flash briefing and you'll get a tip in the kitchen and then after that you're going to add your bananas Yay, bananas! I'm, oh, I get to add the bananas? Yes. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> I love smashing these bananas. It was great. Isn't that fun? <laughs> yes, it is. I loved it. That was a lot of fun. Okay, so my bananas are added. And then you're going to add your vanilla. And that's a teaspoon. Okay, there we go. All right, now you're going to mix that. Until it's just kind of combined. Okay. The next thing we're going to mm -hmm. do is add, we're going to add the, the flour and the milk, but we're going to alternate. So we'll add some flour, mix it, and then add a little milk, mix it, add flour, mix it, add a little and milk, how, mix it, and then you're going to end with flour. And how much milk was it? Was it three teaspoons? Three or? tablespoons. Tablespoons, okay. Um, we also <laughs> need, go ahead and add your sugar to the bananas, the white sugar. 
one cup? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's the granulated, right? Correct. And then mix it? Yeah. Now you're going to do the, the flour and then mix and then milk and mix. But you're going to end, start and end with flour. So mix it with the mixer, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Mix it with right. the mixer. Okay. Debbie, I got to tell you, she's doing a real good job. Woohoo! Oh, I'm watching her and the way she's mixing things. I mean, she's just professional. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Martha Stewart, better watch out for that. That's you. Oh, I love it. Did you always bake? I mean, did you always love baking or? Yeah, we grew up baking with our mom. It's what we did. Oh, that's very so early cool. That is um, awesome. We both cook as well as bake. Baking, I think, is the way that we show love. Cooking is the way that yes. we show love to the kitchen. Right? <laughs> Yeah, it's good to get your sides scraped down and every once in a while, just take whatever you're mixing with, whether it's your, and just run it across the bottom too, to make sure there's no like sugar or flour stuck to the bottom of the bowl. Oh Never yeah. Great tip. That is great. Right on the money with the tips. Oh, I mean, that, that is advice coming left and right, girl. <laughs> Still look good? Yeah, it's coming good. Okay, perfect. All right, so do you have your muffin tin ready? Yes, I do, actually. I braid it with Pam and I put a little butter. Perfect. That's perfect. Oh, good. So you're going to want to go ahead and scoop this mixture into your muffin tin. Oh, okay. Excellent. Okay. Try to fill them um, as evenly oh, as yes. possible because then they all yeah. bake at the same amount of time. So I think it's going to make 12 muffins. Okay, great. So like a measuring cup or something would do just fine. Or even yeah. an ice cream scoop or whatever you got. Yeah, that's, that's, I remember you saying that one because I had done another recipe. Oh, yeah, I think you got the sour cream chocolate chip pancake from us. Oh, indeed. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, it came out so good. I love muffins. I That's definitely my thing. Well, you'll be able to take these into work and impress everybody in the office. Yes, I'm going to be so excited. Look what I made all by myself. That's I'll, right. I'll wink, wink, wink. Wink, wink, nod, nod. We got you, girl. <laughs> they won't know. Your secret's safe with us. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you're talking about your mom. My mom, she was a big baker. I don't know. My sister got the bacon. <laughs> I was never. I don't, and then my son comes out and he bakes like fabulously. If he bakes really well, then he probably doesn't need to bake that much. But, you know, Christmas time, we, as soon as school would get out, our kitchen would turn into a Christmas baking palooza and i can remember mom just lining all of the counters with wax paper and us just turning out cakes and cookies and peanut butter balls and and oh. railings and candy and just we just baked everything i love so, peanut butter balls so we you know that's just one of the things that we just always did with her that's a great story you know that's so you know it's like nostalgia it always brings you back to your childhood and christmas yeah, and, and, 
for our birthdays every year, we got to pick whatever cake we wanted, but my mom would bake the cake. I mean, she would make us whatever cake we chose and that was always a big deal. So Oh, that's so cool. That's really that's a great idea. So the M&M cake was a big hit in our family. It was a huge <laughs> Which is basically I can imagine. a chocolate cake with white icing with like you do the two layer round cake and then the middle oh. you would have all M&Ms and icing <laughs> and then on top whatever you know you could do a little flower or whatever a design on top that was always a huge favorite powers yeah the M&M cake was huge and that was back before cool. we had like the single color M&Ms you could get yeah it always turned out so fun and festive it was always very festive and she was really good that is but that was always a big deal for us sounds awesome I don't know. We just always bake. We really, I mean, I think the kitchen was the nucleus of our, of our family home. As we grew up, it became the nucleus of our family homes too. Yeah. Right. That's great. That's really nice. So once you get all your tins filled, let me know. Okay. Yes. They're all filled. All right. Now we're going to take that streusel topping that we made and we're going to put that streusel topping on the top of all of these muffins. Okay, just kind of pour it over as evenly as possible. Yeah, just make it, try to make it even. <laughs> it looks so good. Yummy, yummy. Perfect, perfect. How's it looking? Yummy? Yes, extremely. All right, we're ready to put this bad boy in the oven? Um, yes. Yep, we're going to put them in the oven for 22 to 24 minutes. Okay, sit. Yay! Um, yeah. So we'll let these we'll let these go ahead and do their baking, and at the end we'll make our glaze. Okay. Yep. So now that we've done the baking bit, <laughs> now we can talk about murder. Now we can talk yes. about the murder case. It's a juicy one too. Oh, this one! I yes. I'm telling you, I I was just stunned. By this. Okay, well, let me just tell everybody that this is the case of Denise Amber Lee. It takes place in Northport, Florida. And I'm just going to really quick just run over kind of who Denise was a little bit because I like to mm -hmm. talk about the victim first. Yes. So Denise was the mother of two little boys. She had a little boy named Noah, age two, and a little boy named Adam, and he was six months old. She met her husband in high school their senior year. Well, they kind of knew each other. They were in the same class, but they didn't run in the same circles. He was a jock, and she was a real smarty pants. Okay. But they met one night, and they started dating. And he couldn't believe that she actually came up and talked to him because she was like this nerdy math girl, but really pretty. And like he was, me. Okay. Math <laughs> was never your subject, ever. <laughs> so, but the nerdy part fits. <laughs> so and then, um, he was like this jock and he was a real extrovert so it always kind of struck him as pretty incredible that she worked up the nerve to go talk to him so they started dating in high school and about three weeks after they started dating was valentine's day which is very awkward when you are or you're in a new relationship and valentine's day comes up it's like what do you do right well yeah 
he did was he ended up buying her a little $40 ring with a heart on it. And she never took that off. Even after she got her engagement ring, her wedding band, that never came off her finger. It was her most prized possession. Isn't that so sweet? So I just thought that was adorable. So in 2008, I think they had been married about five years and Nathan was working three jobs to stay home with their children. It was really important to them to have a very traditional family. And so she was a stay-at-home mom and he worked three jobs. He was he was a real go-getter. That's where we're going to start this story, Debbie. Okay. Denise Amberly is her whole name. And the reason that I use her whole name is there is actually a foundation called the Denise Amberly Foundation. It's oh. named after her. So, but I'm gonna I'll refer to her as Denise as often as possible, unless I come up with Sally, just because my brain has a short in it, and then I start calling her Sally. She's been hypnotized. <laughs> and I have been drinking a little bit. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about January 17, 2008, which will, to me, turns out to be doomsday for Denise. Yeah. There's this Sorry. 37-year-old guy. His name is Michael King. And yeah, I even have Amber written down there. What the heck? Okay. <laughs> so I'm telling you, okay. brain. Okay. So anyway, Michael King was 37, divorced, father of a 12-year-old son who's a plumber. No criminal history, no drug use, not an alcoholic, but he he was a little bit bitter about his divorce. Oh. So the morning of the 28th of January 17th, 2008, it was a Thursday. I looked it up. He went to the gun range with a friend that morning and the the guy, his friend said nothing seemed off with him at all. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary. They left. They parted ways around noon. Between one and two o'clock in the afternoon, Denise's neighbor saw a dark green Camaro creeping down the road of their neighborhood very slowly. And she actually noticed that this car had kind of circled around about five times in the neighborhood. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would have set me on edge. She was at yeah. alone. It gave her the heebie-jeebies a little bit. Yeah. So she was actually going to go outside and stay to see if the person, because they had slowed down, and she was going to go out and say, do you need directions? Thank God she didn't. And then this car abruptly pulled into Denise, to Denise's driveway, and she thought, well, they must have been looking for Denise. And she went and watched TV. Are you with me so far, Debbie? Yeah, because this is the part, I, I have to say, I didn't know that backstory. I knew about the $40 ring because they said she never took it off. But I kept, I, this is the part that I read the most about was when the neighborhood saw the car go in and her husband, it was a hot day or something. So he told her to open the windows. Yeah. And then she, he, when he came. trying to save money on the electric bill. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, you know, you can relate yeah. with that. Yeah. And they, they talked to each other like at 11 o'clock in the morning and she said something about it's kind of stuffy in the house. And he said, well, open the windows because our electric bill is too high. Open the windows. So she opened all the windows. Um, so to air out or whatever. So um, unfortunately, Michael King snatched Denise from her back porch. Oh. Yeah. So the green canary was Michael King. That was Michael King. And he snatched her away from the back porch. She was able to put both of the boys into the baby's crib together and close the windows very haphazardly. They were not all of them were closed all the way. None of them were locked. 
But when her husband got off work, uh, they talked all the time. They're like me and my husband. They talk throughout the day. Right. And he, of course, always called if he was leaving work and coming home. And he called and she didn't answer, which was very strange. And he said in the 25 minutes that it took for him to get home, he called her eight times. Oh, wow. And she didn't pick up the phone. And so he immediately thought this is odd because she's, she's always home. And she didn't mention going anywhere with the boys. They were just going to be at home. There was no reason for her not to answer the phone. And when he pulled up into the driveway, her car was there. And he noticed immediately that the um, windows were closed. He was like, well, I thought she said she's going to open the windows. So when he went in, he could hear the boys in the back, in the bedroom. And both boys were in the, in the baby's crib, which he they, was thinking, what he was like, what, what, what is going on? Right. Yeah. So um, terrible. she was actually able to. She was actually able to put them together. I think her biggest her biggest concern at that point is I'm leaving these two babies alone. Else, oh. and this man is kidnapping me. So um, I don't know why he decided to let her do that. It's just weird that he that he was uh, he was okay with her being concerned and securing her kids. Yet he took her away. And supposedly, according to him, he took her off the back porch. And so people surmised that they were outside playing. Oh. And he came up. And I wondered why. Why did he take Yeah, her? why did he pick her? Nobody like, knows. Nobody uh, knows why. Very There's weird. one person that said if you looked at Denise's pictures and looked at pictures of his ex-wife in her early younger years, there were some similarities, but they weren't an exact match. But he must have seen her outside playing with those kids, and it was an opportunity. <gasps> yeah, triggered. But he was prowling. He was prowling the neighborhood. He was looking for trouble. He had left that gun range an hour before, and I think he was just out looking for trouble. He had placed in the back of his Camaro, this is just so weird to me, a headboard from a bed. Now, think about a Camaro. Not a lot of room in the back. No. The only thing I can think of is he must have laid the seats down. But this man was prepared for what he was about to do. And that's oh. what he disturbs. So yeah. he actually tied her to this headboard. So she couldn't oh. escape. In the back seat? In the back of his car. Wow. Okay. Oh. At some point, Amber was able to sneak his cell phone underneath her ear. And call 911. <gasps> Let me tell you, that day, there were five phone calls that came into 911 regarding this situation. The first one was from the first one was from Denise. She called 911. She was trying to tell the operator without telling the operator what was happening. So she was pleading for her life. She was saying, Can you please take me back to my home on this street? My two boys are there by themselves. I just want to go home and see if my boys are okay. Please, please don't hurt me anymore. And this operator, it's a little frustrating because the operator is talking over her. The operator is getting frustrated because she's not getting information quick enough. And she keeps asking questions that, that Denise cannot answer. The second phone call that comes into 911 is this cousin of Michael King's. I'm going to call him Cuz. Cuz. Okay. Because he does not deserve to have a name. Oh, gosh. 
It's disturbing. It is disturbing. At some point, Michael takes Denise back to his home where he has built a rape room. Oh, my gosh. In this rape room, he has devices of torture. Oh, my gosh. And she's there for hours, and he hurts her and brutally rapes her. Then he puts her back into his car. She's no longer tied to the headboard. She's in, kind of in the front seat, but she somehow is bound, okay? But he has her, so she, she's pushed all the way down in that seat because the Camaro seat is very low. Right. Drives over to the cousin's house, drives up in his driveway and says, I need to borrow from you a shovel, a gas can. Oh, my God. When you think about what I would say if my cousin drove up, I'd be row. like, that's no, that would be a yes. So, I mean, yeah, that is like you're kidding me, right? Oh, and one thing when you were talking about the 911 call, like you said, the 911 operator said, Can you turn your radio down? Yeah, I can't like, hear you. I was stunned. I, it was just very, it was that broke my heart. It, because it, it, it broke my heart. So, I watched a show on this call the, the night that never, the night that didn't end. It was a show, it was a like an ID discovery show. And that's what got me interested in this. And then I started reading about this. And they actually, I've heard these 911 tapes over and over again. It's quite difficult to listen to. Oh, the transcripts are in the court documents because it, it became very integral to this case. And it, it is it is the most terrifying thing I can ever imagine happening because she is literally pleading for her life. She he keeps saying, "Where's my phone? Where's my phone?" So he's looking for that phone, and she's like, "I don't know where your phone is," because she had been able to get it between her ear and like on her and lay on it, right? And so uh, he couldn't see it, and she was busy talking to him, but feeding this operator information, and the operator keeps saying. What kind of weapon does he have? She can only, she can't answer that question. Right. She can't answer that. She's just, I just wanted that operator to shut up and listen. Just shut yeah. up and listen. Just take your notes and listen. So that's very frustrating. So yes. there's a lot of activity going on because, because when Nathan, her husband gets home and he realizes what's going on and calls 911, there doesn't seem to be a lot of urgency. Okay, we'll send an officer out there to talk to you. The next thing that happens is he hangs up and he calls his father-in-law. Denise's dad was a sheriff's deputy in the next county over. Oh. He calls his phone. And the crazy thing is, is he had been trying to get in touch with Denise all day long. Oh. And he picks up the phone and goes, Nate, are y'all coming over for dinner or not tonight? He said, Denise is missing. And as soon as he said that, that man told, passed a note to his partner, his sergeant, everybody in that police precinct news. It's, it's, it's like they were on it. He actually called the police department in the county where Denise was missing and said, I'm her dad. I'm a sheriff in the next county. Blah, blah, blah. What's going on? And they're still trying to assess the situation. Oh, my God. Oh, my. That's says, my sergeant is sending our entire precinct and helicopters and dogs. We're at the ready. Tell us what to do. Where do we go? And the guy said, well, you're going to need to stand down until we assess the situation. What? It was talk about. It just was. It was horrible. It was just so bad. It was so bad. This poor this, man. Uh, and I, I mean, I can't imagine what was going through her head. I mean, she was probably thinking about her kids. Petrified. And yet brave. So brave. 
to be able to. Yes. Yes. Talk. Absolutely. I'll grab that phone. Her dad gets so frustrated that he calls a friend of his that is in the media and says, my daughter is missing. This is where her house is. This is where she was taken from. They don't know where she is. Nobody's doing anything. I need this on the street. And the guy gets in his car and drives to Denise's address and then puts it on the air. Because the other police had not even released any information to the public. Oh, my God. You talk about frustrating. Like, this is very upsetting. I hope that they've gone back and read this was in part. Yes. I hope they've gone back and retrained the Yes. So I was just going to say, I hope they, they like something happened good because of that. You know, it was so and, poorly and we'll get managed. To that, but it actually did. It really, it really. Oh, did. good. good. I always like to know where Kane has started. Something good has grown out of it, and that and right. then, well, we'll get there. But boy, we have some dirt to go through first. So back at Cuz's house. All right. So Cuz is standing out in the yard talking to Michael King, and he actually lets him borrow a shovel and a gas can and all this kind of stuff. And as Nathan is getting, not Nathan, no, as Michael is getting into the car, this girl's head pops up, and he hears her scream, "Please call the cops! Call the cops!" She is screaming. She actually at one point gets out of the car. Michael stuffs her back into the car, pushes her head down, and then tells her, now you've really messed it up and you're going to make me take you back to that room. And she says, please don't take me back to that room. She is petrified to go to the rape room. And where is the cousin? He's watching it unfold. And he goes to Michael and starts to the car. And Michael goes, no, 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 no. It's okay. I've got this. And gets in his car and drives away. So Cuz doesn't call 911 yet. What? He goes in the house and he thinks, I wonder if he, because oh, Michael had told him my lawnmower is stuck in the ditch. That's mm-hmm. why I need all this stuff. So he's like, I wonder if his, he really does have a lawnmower in the ditch. So he gets in the car and drives over to Michael's house and sees that Michael is not there and there is no lawnmower. So he's like, oh, this is bad. So he goes to a payphone and he calls 911 for an anonymous tip and what? says, My cousin was just here. He drives a green Camaro, gave him the description, his name, everything, gave the operator and said, there was a person in the car that I don't think wanted to be in the car, but he came and he borrowed some stuff from me. He borrowed a shovel and all this kind of stuff because then he told him the whole story. So the police immediately go over to that address. They get there. There is nobody there. And they start going through the house because they just like, okay, we're going to go through the house so they don't find him there but they do find some things that that raise some eyebrows like a freaking rape room and there's some <laughs> duct tape of hair on it oh you know there's gosh. some things that are there i don't know i, I just feel like they were really <laughs> there was, it was so discombobulated like I it just didn't... Don't feel like there was they weren't very connected so in the meantime not at all because calls his daughter Right, his daughter or his niece, I think it was his daughter, and says, The weirdest thing happened. Your uncle came over here, and this is what happened. And I think he had a, a girl in his car, and she'd been kidnapped, but I'm not sure. This girl, bless her heart, calls 911 and gives them all the details. Oh, good. Gives them everything. Like, this is the address, this is the, the description of the girl because he described the girl. 
And that's when they start piecing things together. Oh, this is is Denise. We're looking for Denise. This is Michael. He's got Denise and he's in the area because when he went to the cousin's house, he was only five blocks from where he took Denise. Wow. Five blocks. Right. That's it though. Oh my God. So this is the third phone call, right? And then the fourth one is Nathan calling 911. We're going to talk about the fifth phone call. So in the meantime, Michael, he is going back roads. He's staying off the highways. Okay. There was a bolo that was, that was written up for this county to say, be on the lookout for this car, this man, this is the, this is what's happening. It's an emergency. The dispatchers never released it to the police. Oh, what? And they were that that this car passed. Why? With her in it. Why? It's, it doesn't make sense. It's so, I, I, I just, I am baffled. They had to retrain these people. I'm just going to tell you that nothing was done on purpose. Oh, it was, and it was chaotic. It got a little chaotic. So in the meantime, a phone call comes into 911 by the by the name, a lady by the name of Jane Kowalski. Our timer's getting ready to go off. Okay. They look good. How do they look, Debbie? Good, good. They're puffing up nicely. They puffed up nicely? Yeah, real good. Okay. Yeah, okay. and are perfect. So I think that yours are probably good too. Yeah, yeah. They're they're I mean they came out, I mean they're per they're like they, they're a little uneven, but they're perfectly plopped. Oh, I can't wait I to see to, them. I have to use my ice cream scoop next time. It's okay. All right. So now we need to go ahead and get our glaze because these need to cool for five minutes. And then we oh, okay. put coals in the top of them and pour the glaze over. Oh, Lord. So when. All right. So they have to cool for five minutes? Yes. If you need a saucepan. Okay. okay. Four tablespoons of butter, a quarter of a cup of brown sugar. Okay. Okay. Then you're going to do your two tablespoons of water and a quarter of a cup of rum. Yay! Oh, that's what, yeah, that's right. I had that right to the side already. That was <laughs> waiting for me. <laughs> do I put that in the pan? Yeah, all of that goes in the pan, and we're going to melt it over medium-high heat when you get back. Oh, that looks so good. It does. It smells smells delightful. I know. Oh, my God, it is so good. I feel like you could drink this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hot butter rum. I don't know why they put the water in it, though. That ruins the rum. I don't know. You don't have to. (laughs) What's up with the water? Yes, I know. My mouth is watering. (laughs) Uh, They, they, uh, they. It smells so good, and it looks so good. Oh, I can't wait till it's totally finished. Oh, it's melting very nicely. Well, we were supposed to put the rum in after we got everything melted, but we didn't. Ah, Who cares? We can always add more. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Just make sure it doesn't all cook out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what are you eating, a streusel? I, I, I took a little piece of the pecan. It's so good. I couldn't eat this. <laughs> I'm loving it. Maybe I'll get into baking now. See, yes. it's easy. It's you so know? easy. It's really Once easy. you do it step by step, it is. It's more scary when you look at it in the beginning. 
Yes. And when I bake, even when I'm not doing the podcast, I just do home baking, I always pre-measure my ingredients because I have oh. a tendency to, to forget an ingredient or yeah, right. So I try to measure everything out and keep organized that way. And I, I find that that helps when I'm baking. And it goes quicker too. It it makes sense. It just yeah, it, it definitely it helps even when I just measured out the few items before, you know, yeah. we it really does help a lot. And pre smashing those bananas. <laughs> yeah, I love this. That was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Once everything so, is melted, you're going to let it come to a boil. Oh, okay. It's, I was just going to say it's boiling now. So you're going to turn your heat down to low and we're going to let it simmer for five minutes. Okay. Mm. So while we're waiting for that, I'm going to talk about Jane Kowalski. Okay. Yeah, that was that part is crazy. Jane Kowalski is in her car in traffic. Oh. And she notices kind of beside her in the other lane is a dark green Camaro. There are screams coming from this Camaro. And there is a hand beating on the window. And there is a, a she thinks it's a child that's been abducted. But it's screaming, help me, call the cops, let me out. Like just screaming, nonstop screaming. So, of course, you're in traffic. Yes. Green. She calls 911. And then she decides, I need to follow this man. So she's on the phone call with 911. And she's telling them exactly where they are and where he's turning and all this. And she's like, do you want me to follow him? Do you want me to follow him? And the dispatcher says, I see that you've crossed into the next county. I'm going to need to transfer you to the next county. What? And she transfers her to the next county over. Ironically, that's the county where her dad works. Right. Oh they my god. Nothing about this abduction oh, no. on dispatch. So this lady is telling them turn by turn by turn where they are. And at this point, Michael King must have realized that she was following him. They're side oh, by side. No. She's trying to go slow enough so he'll pass her so she can get his drop his license plate number. He knows this. He will not pass her. He actually slows down and gets behind her. So now she's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And this dispatcher's like, ma'am, I don't know what you're talking about. Like they are like, I don't, I mean, she's like, I think a child has been abducted. And she says, okay, I'm going to write that up and see if I can send a police officer out there. Barrels through traffic and takes either a right or a left and she loses him. And she tells them he turned in this direction on this road. He's going down. There is somebody in his car that is screaming bloody murder. There is something isn't right. Please, 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 somebody call. Somebody get the police to get this car. Yes. He passes police officers and they have not gotten the word yet that they should be looking for his car. So eventually word gets out. They're looking everywhere for Michael King. And that evening... A police officer sees him in traffic and pulls him over. He gets out of the car. He is wet from the waist down. And there is no one in the car with him. But they start. So they immediately put him in handcuffs. They know he's the guy that they're looking for. And they start looking through the vehicle to see what can we find. 
what is there any so they find his cell phone with the battery out of it because he had figured out that Amber had a cell phone. He had a shovel, a dirty shovel in the back seat. And he ain't talking. No, I'm sure he's not. That's he ain't talking. Say. So no. they're trying to figure out where is she. So they have people on in helicopters, people on foot, people on horseback. People are looking all over. And I think it took them two days. <gasps> and they found her body. Oh, in a three-foot three grave near some water. I really thought you were going to tell me she made it. I know that she was safe in the end. Oh, so, that's so of course, They charge him with kidnapping, and, and she's very badly decomposed at this point. I'm sure. But they charge him with the kidnapping and murder of Denise Lee. So, you know, just because you make the arrest, the case isn't over. Still got to do the investigation. You still got to put all pieces together. They've come yeah. through his house. They've got to connect him and Denise. They got to say, because they, <coughs> just because they found her body doesn't mean he did anything to her. Right. right. Five minutes. Yeah, that's your five minutes you can, for your. Break. Oh, okay. You can so, turn okay. the temperature of your glaze off. I mean, okay. Turn the, I'm going to add just a stitch more rum. Yeah, a little bit more rum. Yeah, she had like maybe a half a teaspoon or a teaspoon. Yeah, just yeah, just get the taste in there because we like some rum. Yes. Mm. Now we're gonna take a toothpick, okay, and we're gonna poke holes all over our muffins. Poke the hole, 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 poke. <laughs> Pokey, pokey, pokey. Mm. So, um, just so you know, the next day after jo- Jane Kowalski had been through this with the 911 operators, she called right. the next day to the dispatcher to, to find out what happened to Amber. No, to Denise. And that dispatcher had no idea what she was talking about. What the heck? There was just no connection. There was just, there was so, it was so disconnected. There were so many errors that were made that day. Five phone calls come in on this case that is active and unfolding by the minute, and they missed it. They missed the opportunity to get her. Oh my God. And they had so many. Yes. They had so many opportunities. So, what they do find when they're processing Michael King's car is they find a ring. Oh no. And she had taken that ring that her husband gave her in high school that never came off of her finger. And she had stuck it in the crack of the seat so that they knew she had been there. She had also oh. ripped hair from the from the root right. and stuck it next to the ring in the crack <clears throat> of the seat because her dad said, she grew up with her dad as a cop, and she was obsessed with all the crime shows. She loved all the CSI shows. Are you done poking your holes? Yeah. <laughs> all my holes are poked. All right. So now you're going to take a teaspoon of this glaze, and you're going to pour a teaspoon over each muffin. Okay. So, of course, Michael King was convicted. And he is oh, he still sits on death row. Really? I was wondering. He okay. got the death penalty, although his family did ask the judge for mercy because they said he was a good man. Was he? They said he was a good father to his 12-year-old son. I'm sure that they were doing whatever they could, but let me tell you something. 
You are not a good parent if you have a rape room. No. Yes. You can't be a good person if you have a rape room. You can't be. I'm sorry. But you no. No. So, and then they, you know, they said that when he was young, he had a sledding accident. It was a head injury, but he had oh. a job. He had had a child. He fathered that child. At times, he was the only one raising that child. So he still was functioning. He knew right from wrong. No, he yes, chose the wrong path that day. And it and he, I don't know, was he pissed at his wife? I don't know. Why did he not like his job? I can't think of one single reason why you would ever do this to a human. So or I wouldn't do it to a wild animal, honestly. But and um, he never he never had any other conviction. I mean, nothing. like it was just zero criminal record. Zero. Wow. Yeah, nothing. He has no just... criminal history at all. And so his family said, listen, he must have just snapped. Well, bully for you, you can stay snapped right on death row, though. Exactly. Yep, exactly. So that's where he is. And in the meantime, Nathan Lee decided that he was going to bring a huge lawsuit against the, the county that Northport, Florida is in. And he sued them for two and a half million dollars. He said it really wasn't about the money as much as it was he needed changes to be made in the training of the 911 dispatchers. Absolutely. So that he ended up getting a big settlement for that. He got a little over a million, I think. He paid 500000 in lawyer fees. Hmm. And the rest, of, he bought a house and the rest of it he put away for his two sons wow. for college. He got remarried for a little while, had another child, but he said, I never grieved for Denise. And so what I wanted this wife to be was Denise and she could never be Denise. And it was a problem for him. He, she would do something and he would think Denise would never do it this way. And she, right. couldn't live up to, she couldn't live up to that standard. So their marriage dissolved, but he, he does have a child from that marriage oh that's a shame but he lives with his two sons and now he has something called the denise amberly foundation and i think it's denise amberly foundation.org or it might be denise amberly.org and you can donate to this foundation it originally it started where they were trying to get continuity in the counties in training because back then in florida each county had their own local training there was no training of everybody on the same standard. So he, he was able to get a lot of that. But, but, but in doing that, he started traveling and speaking. But other states were starting to hire. Before Florida really started cooperating with him, other states were hiring him to go in. When he does this full time now, he travels all over the country. And he actually helps write curriculum for the training of these 911 dispatchers. That is. But there were some laws that were new dispatch laws that were passed in Florida, new standards. That's amazing. We're now need to take the muffins out of the tents and put them. Do you have a cooling rack? Uh, no, but I have a, like a wooden cutting board. Yep. All right. You could do it on the wooden cutting board, but you're going to want to put like, like parchment paper or wax parchment. paper on top of it, yeah. we're going to end up using the rest of that glaze on top of it. So that glaze is going to drip down. Okay. My sous chef needs to come in and clean my kitchen. Oh, your sous chef is on vacation. <laughs> I'll be damned. Your <laughs> sous chef is drunk. She ain't oh. going nowhere. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ugh. 
Alright, so just put the muffins on top of the wax paper. Yeah. Uh man, these muffins look so good. They smell delicious. Oh, they look fantastic. Did you get them out? They're on the cooling rack. Now that they're on the cooling rack, you're gonna mm -hmm. pour that glaze over them again. You eat that fruitful again? <laughs> I know, I can't get enough of it. Me neither. I keep eating it too. Every little piece is off. It is so good. It's like candy pecans. It really oh. is. Oh my God, it's so delicious. Oh, so just to let our, our fans know, I found this recipe on sweetpeaskitchen.com. So if you if you guys want the recipe, you can pull it up there or you can send us an email and we'll send it to you. Oh my God, they look so good. Now, now that you've done it, pull one out for yourself to eat. Yeah, let's oh, taste them. Right. Here's this is the finished product. Look how good. Oh, Debbie, they look amazing. <laughs> Make sure you send us a picture so I can post it. Yes, definitely. Oh my gosh, this is the best part. And here is an Eddie is eating. Yay! Oh, oh mm, delicious. <laughs> Oh my god, so good. Is it yummy? Yeah. I gotta get mine. Hold on. Oh my god, they're outrageous. These are so good. Oh my god. Yummy. The mixture is just mmm. This is gonna be your specialty now. Yes. <laughs> I'm definitely making them for my kids. Oh good. Well, Debbie, you slayed it, girl. We did it. Oh, thank you. We're so happy that you did it. Oh, yeah, I'm so happy. This was so much fun. And oh. you know what I was going to say? You, there was laughter and joy in your kitchen. Yes. Speaking is all about. That's right. It's so much fun. So and much fun. We would bake with you any day. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was outstanding. I had a great, oh, I, I wish every minute was so much fun <laughs> and eating it is even more delicious i know isn't it that, that makes it all worthwhile yes yes well debbie thank it. you so much for being on with us and Perfect. everybody go listen to the right shoe podcast with debbie q you're gonna love it she's awesome as you can see she's got a great personality these are awesome and we appreciate you being on here and good luck i can't wait to hear all the people that rant and rave about your muffins now no, I will, and I'm gonna take a picture and send it. Stay here, and stay sweet, okay? okay don't 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 hurt, her. don't hurt her anybody because we'll talk bad about you. I'm staying away. All right, see stay you soon. Bye. Bye. This has been Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, a deliciously entertaining true crime podcast. Like what you heard? You can always explore past episodes by visiting sugarcoatedpod.com. Don't forget to like our Facebook fan page and share with friends. Thanks for listening to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.